everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engage to Flourish podcast. I'm your host, Damon, and I have my co-host, Posse, Brett, and Kyle with me. And we'd like to invite a very special guest who we grabbed from the music class that we host here at the Freedom Center. My brother-in-law, Jonathan Poon. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, so right now we're in a, a mini-series on finances and money and how it relates to our faith and kyle this past sunday gave a, a great and convicting message about uh, a spirit of generosity and what that looks like in our faith so as part of this episode for the podcast what we wanted to do is we wanted to kind of just talk a little bit more about finances and how it relates to each of us and our personality and uh how we view our personal finances, and as well as how does God want us to view our personal finances. So one of the things that we wanted to get started off with was uh, to give some different categories of ways that generally people might view their finances and how they use their money. So Kyle has a few categories that he wanted to talk about. Yeah, so we're going to go over some some uh, personality or money personalities, and I think it, it is important to understand the kind of how we're wired because we're going to view money and use it in a certain way, but then we're also going to have certain blind spots. Um, so we're going to talk about five different personalities, and they're related to an animal. So first we got Jonathan really wanted to hear the animals. I he think did, that was more yeah. important to him than the the categories. Oh, wait, no, there's no cow in this one. All right, so we got the spender. Spender uh, is represented by the peacock, like wants to have the, the bling that wants to look good. Uh, we got the saver, which is the squirrel, wants to stock, stock up on those nuts. We got the debtor, who is the sloth, doesn't do much with his money except spend it. And uh, we got the investor, is the owl. Can turn their heads and look at everything and make try and make a good choice. And the last one is the avoider. They don't want to talk about money or think about it, and that is the ostrich. So I'll, st I'll kick it off and give you guys a little bit of time to think of what you want to say. But I mentioned this in my message that I am a saver by personality. So I'm the squirrel trying to stock up and save. One of my blind spots is that I could take it to an extreme and I could be an saving too much, and that could even take me away from investing and being wise with my money, and it can make me feel overly secure just because I have money. So that is my money personality. How about you, Brett? Uh, I tend to be more of a, is a squirrel, the one that saves. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I tend to be more of a squirrel as well. I think especially as I've gotten older, I've gotten more squirrely and uh, <laughs> so much stuff to pay for as, as an adult, and so yeah, fighting that that uh, level of security, I think, is a big eye opener, and wanting to save and make sure that you feel like everything is accounted for. I, I definitely think I, I lean more to be a squirrel. Uh, for me, probably a squirrel too. Oh, yeah. Oh man, so uh, we got pressure. <laughs> there's pressure for you, Damon. What are you gonna do? You gonna we, conform? We got a bunch of squirrels at this table. So okay, so when I first heard different categories, originally I thought there were only two. I thought it was you're either a spender or a saver. So growing up, I thought I was a, a saver. So when I started hearing, and you know, as you get older, you hear more categories, and this investor one started to come up. And I, and as I thought about it, it was like I think a lot of times for me, I wanted to save. To, for a purpose. So I would save so I could buy this or I, I would save, you know, one of the things that I remember is there was one time where I wanted something that was like $10 and my allow allowance was $1 a week. So, you know, that 
kind of dates me a little bit, I guess. <laughs> but I wanted this thing for that was ten dollars, so it would take me ten weeks to get it. So I'd save my money, save, 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 and then when that thing came out, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna spend it." So a lot of times, I think because I would save up, I thought I was a saver, but really it was for a purpose. So I think investor is more my uh, category or personality type for when it comes to money. Um, but generally what that involves is a lot of times it's, it's saving for a purpose. So you're an owl squirrel. I thought I was a squirrel, he's but a I became he's a flying squirrel. That's a good one. There we go. I, <laughs> I, what if you want to be one of those, but you're like not, mm. or maybe your money limits you to, to be one of them. Yeah. I mean, f- for me, okay. So I actually was kind of a shame to admit this, but when I was growing up, my mom especially had to like prod me into spending my money, like especially on myself. Like I would just be like, no, I don't need that. I don't. And it's funny. I see that in my youngest also, but, um, I've, it was more like, I don't know if it was self-denial or whatever, but I, I had to learn how to become a spender and to do it in a healthy way. Mm. And so I think you, you need other people to kind of like, no, it's give you, give you permission. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes I think savers, we need permission to spend it. And, um, I think maybe spenders need permission to not have to spend it. So I think there's a, a compliment complimenting of the mm. things which often can come out in marriage. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> well, seeing that we have a lot of savers sitting here at the table, that's one of the questions that I wanted to throw out to you guys is like, are your, are your spouses in a similar position or are, do you guys have different, uh, financial personality types? For me, um, Brittany and I found out that it was pretty similar. Um, even before getting married, we went through like a couple books and different things that had us talk about different topics and finances was one of them. And I think we have a similar mindset or just perspective on money. Although I think what we would want to spend it on might be a little bit different, but just the idea of saving or, um, I think I kind of look at a lot of things on like what's worth it. Like if it's a deal or if it's a, if it's a, um, yeah, we're, like the purpose, like you said, if it seems like it's the money, it, it, we're okay with spending it, but just what are we spending it on and, and the purpose of it? So I think we, we, um, relate in that way. So there hasn't been too many, um, there hasn't been too many issues when it comes to finances between us, which is definitely a blessing. How so, about you, John? Uh, so I was going to add to my squirrel. I also could be an ostrich too, where mm. I just kind of avoid it. Not in a bad way, but like if you ask me right now, how much is in my checking account? I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's where my wife comes in and she's actually helps monitor all mm. that. But she's also a, a saver and uh, definitely not ostrich. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the labels too can be – It's. Uh, they're more just to kind of give us perspective on different ways we can view money. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't want to just label that we're only this. Uh, like my wife too. There's, there's not one that's a giver on here because if she, she's just likes to give. So she likes mm-hmm. to spend, but it's not necessarily for herself. She does, she does like to, you know, well, probably less now than she used to. I think she used to be more of a spender, but like, but she likes to spend money to give to others. So it's mm-hmm. not that doesn't fit in one of these categories. But I also think that part of that is the ostrich part, like you said, John. Like mm. she just doesn't want to think about it. So I'll just keep giving and I'll spend. That's her heart. She wants to help and bless other people. But then that could also lead into being a debtor and all of that because you just are avoiding it. So 
So I've brought balance to her in that, but she's <laughs> definitely helped me become better at spending. Yeah, I, I think that's an area that Tracy and I have seen a lot of growth together is that I think we started off on very opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how we view our money. And I think over the years, we both, you know, she's encouraged me to spend more and I've encouraged her to save a little bit more. And so I think in that we're definitely two coming together to becoming one in terms of our finances. And I think that it, that's something that I feel like comes up a lot in marriages is just when people grow up with different understanding of finances, mm. that's where it can become an issue and so I think that that's been something that we've definitely seen a movement towards each other on that because otherwise, if we were both trying to dig our feet in, be a lot more uh, disagreement and a lot more strife in our marriage. Okay, so another thing as we were talking about or prepping for this episode, one of the terms that kept coming up was the term consecration. And I think Kyle kind of alluded to it a little bit uh, in his sermon this week. But what consecration is, is really putting things in their correct place. And so when it comes to our finances, we want to consecrate that to the Lord because we recognize that finances and the love of finances or the way that we view our finances can really be something that gets in between us and God. And so when we feel like we either we don't have enough or we, we want more or we feel like we're not secure or we feel like we can't do what we want to do, sometimes those types of things can get in between us and the Lord. And so with our finances, one of the things that we want to do is we want to be able to consecrate it, have a pr proper perspective on it so that it doesn't get in between our relationship with God. And I think that's something that the enemy wants to try to do is have our view of finances and have our finances actually get in between us and God. And so that's something that can be separating us from in our relationship with the Lord. And so for us, one of the things that I felt like he wanted us to talk about was what does it look like? for us to consecrate our finances and our perspective on finances to the Lord. That's what I was just going to ask you. Like, how would you define or um, share with the listeners what an, what's an example of consecration? Not Maybe not even just with finances, because what that word can mean a lot of different things, or maybe it's vague and people don't understand it. Like, Well, I think we can recognize the hold that something has on our life when something doesn't go the way that we want it to, right? And so when something doesn't go how we expect, we recognize what, how tightly we were holding on to that. So I'll give an example. This is not about finances, yeah. but it's something that we talked about in our, in our small group this past week. So I don't know if I shared this on the podcast yet, but I did share that I qualified for Boston and qualified for the Boston Marathon. And so, which is coming up in April, but in my training in the towards the middle end of January, I, I got injured. Mm -hmm. And so I was not able to continue my training. And so I had to make a decision what I was going to do. Was I going to try to push through and see if I can make it and try to still run the race? Or was I just going to say recognize, like, this is an injury I've had before. Last time it took a while to get over. I'm probably not going to be able to make it. And so at the time I decided I'm probably not going to be able to make it. So I, I stopped training. And so one of the things that, you know, a lot of people would come up to me and say, oh, how are you doing? I feel so bad for you. I feel so bad for you. And then as I was trying to discern what I felt like the Lord was telling me, is like, no, you've consecrated that to me. You didn't, you weren't holding on so tight that it was going to ruin your life 
if you didn't get to do that. And I think I had to do that actually in before Sacramento when I qualified because I recognized like I don't want to keep trying and pushing myself and then keep coming up short and keep getting injured and things like that. So before Sacramento, I'd said I wasn't going to if I didn't qualify at this time, I'm just going to retire from trying to qualify. I'll still be a runner, but I'm just going to retire from trying to qualify for Boston. It just wasn't meant to be. And so I think at that time, I it was, I, I understood that there was a possibility that I might not get to run Boston. And so when this happened, what I felt like the Lord was saying is, like, you consecrated that. And part of my mentality was I thought, well, if – you know, I spend so much energy, so much time, so much commitment to training. Maybe the Lord has something different for me in this season. And so what I felt like he was saying was, yes, you consecrated your desire for Boston and to, to run that race to me. And you're recognizing that now because it doesn't have that grip on it, on you. And where some other people are thinking it does. And so that's why they're coming up. And really it's because of their heart for you and their concern for you. But as you're sharing your your perspective you're recognizing that you've given that to me and 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 it's good so it's really it's it sounds like it's really about if if something has become an idol right yeah. that's elevated to an un to an unhealthy, unhealthy place. place yeah yeah hmm. i mean I'll, I'll just i'll share briefly just tying in with what i mentioned in my message yesterday yeah my my idol that I had to um, consecrate was my savings, my ret- retirement, just like longer term. Because since I am a saver, it's easier to to accumulate that. But I had to consecrate it. And it's interesting because in preparation for my message, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not going to get emotional about this. But I felt I was supposed to share it. And so when I started sharing and I got emotional, um, really what what I was processing after the message was that I was feeling guilt and shame that I actually had to admit that I had a, an idol of my savings that I was like withholding from basically or putting above the Lord. And that's what made me emotional. Like I felt, I felt not, not dirty, but just felt like, wow, I, I actually was, I went that far where, where I put something like that above the Lord. And I didn't feel the condemnation or shame from the Lord. It was more just like from myself. And then I felt like, the Lord was like, no, you've, you released that to me. You don't have, you don't carry that anymore. But just to be able to verbalize it in front of everybody, it was like, it was, I think it was the emotion part of it was just be me freeing myself by confessing it. And so, um, yeah, that's definitely something I have wrestled with for, uh, an idol that needed to be consecrated. Uh, so Jonathan, one of the things, you know, you shared that you're, you're, you feel like you're a saver, but I know that you know, being your brother-in-law for many years, one of the things that I've been impressed by is your generosity in giving as, you know, you're one of the most generous people that I know. Um, you know, and especially when it comes to like missions, you're always open to, you know, giving to, to missions and missionaries, you know, and, you know, you have some siblings that are also missionaries and, and sharing your, you know, what God's blessed you with, with, with them. Can you share a little bit about your heart for, um, you know, how you've been able to reconcile the two, being a saver versus being generous in, in the, those areas? Yeah, so probably earlier on, I was more of a saver and like tired of my money. But as I matured and grew older, you know, realizing how, you know, everything that we have is from God. So mm-hmm. just having that mindset uh, helped me to be more 
uh, have my open hands with my money and mm-hmm. uh, especially like when you say giving to like missionaries, like my two sisters um, and whoever else, uh, since I'm not in the mission field, I feel like if, you know, by providing mm-hmm. support for them, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm like in the mission with them kind yeah, of. Yeah, you're partnering, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. So, and it feels good, um, you know, to further his kingdom and, uh, yeah, just knowing that, you know, God blessed me with a job, you know, the finances, and so I need to, um, pay it forward kind of, mm-hmm. and, um, I just believe that that's where, you know, we should be spending our money like in a, in a good way towards others. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know, you said you, you kind of had a shift at some point to have that idea that everything is God's. How, how did, do you remember how that came about? Did you hear that just shared with you and that it was a new thought and, and that resonated or was it something that just kind of developed over time or do you know? It might have been from maybe a sermon, but mm-hmm. probably over time, slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just sometimes, like, maybe if that's just in your heart mm-hmm. from, you know, early childhood. Also, my parents, too. Mm-hmm. They're very gracious and giving and um, always helping people in need. And so, that obviously, that probably plays a big part, Yeah, too. it was modeled for you. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. And that's something that actually we might end up, having uh, for our next episode is talking about how do we model our Mm -hmm. uh, perspectives on finances and having a healthy relationship with finances and the way that God wants us to, to see our finances with our kids. And I know for myself, I know, I don't know if I'm the best model at that, but we'll, we'll be, (laughs) we'll probably be discussing that next week. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. How about you, Brett? Um, Well, in regards to the, the consecration, I feel like in the, in the past, couple years stepping into new seasons of, of being married and put a lot of uh, emphasis on uh, my, my perspective on money, just in, in even going back to preparing to buy like an engagement ring and then paying for a wedding and then trying to move out. I, I think um, my parents did a good job of, of, raising me in terms of, of holding money loosely in terms that like, if you ask them, they'll tell you that we didn't do it well and yada, yada, yada. And we had so much to learn and stuff like that. But I think the thing that I took away from them is like money is important because, you know, they would stress like, well, you, you, you have to have a living, right? Like in order to put food on the table, in order to have shelter, it costs, there's a cost, but they didn't want it to be a source that came between people, like cause a bigger issue. Okay. And so even heading into marriage and thinking about proposing and all those things for me, it was like my own situation where I was like, okay, you got to figure out how you're going to do this. And I think initially it's easy to um, assert yourself, right. And it just be your own will and energy. And I had it all planned out and, you know, down to the numbers, but Mm -hmm. life doesn't always play out that way. And so I, I early on had to kind of say, okay, God, I am going to do the best that I can, but mm-hmm. ultimately like I'm going to need your discernment, your guidance and your help. And even just with everything that's happened in the past two years, job wise, you know, financial security, just all of those things, it, it, um, helped me and, and in certain ways almost forced me to, to give it up and understand that like, um, 
what we receive from him is, is a gift and is a blessing, but also when you do have it to steward it well. And so I think through that process, um, I think I, I had a decent idea of, of saving and knowing when to spend before, but I think going through that mm. elevated it to the, to such a higher degree where, um, it, I do get stressed out about it some, but it's definitely not as much anymore. Just my feeling about finances and the stressors of having to pay for things, but also wanting to be generous and it, it's just completely changed. And, um, definitely more at peace with it where before I could definitely hold on to it a lot more tightly. And so being able to give it into his hands is something that I um, have really been grateful to grow into because um, being an anxious person, it could definitely be a source of anxiety. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one one other thought that popped in my head about <clears throat> consecration and maybe in my journey with consecrating like my finances and possessions is the term, um, well, just having like a eternal perspective. Mm. I heard that a long time ago in a message or something. And it really stuck with me and it really made me think it's not just with finances, it's with other decisions and just viewing, um, really generosity in your time, your energy and all those things. It's, does this really have, um, kind of staying power? Is this going to have impact for eternity or is it just really for more temporal and just the temporary stuff? And I think viewing our possessions and our finances that way, really, it can help us either restrain when we're overspending. It can help us be more generous when we're oversaving. It can, it can help us in a lot of different ways. Like you were saying, John, like you're, you're able to partner with your siblings out on the mission field because of your perspective. Like that's, that's part of how I'm um, furthering God's kingdom. So I think that that thought of just keeping an eternal perspective really helps, especially mm. in the, in the, on the discussion of finances. Yeah. And as we're talking about different perspectives, you know, one of the things that as we're having this conversation, I feel like the way that the Lord wants us to see our money is very countercultural, mm. right? It's not the way that the world sees money where a lot of times the world sees money as a, as a, a as a medium for power mm. or as a medium for status recognition, a way to fill a void in your life is having more money. But I think the way that the, the Lord wants us to see and view our money in terms of the stewardship perspective of it, I feel like that's very different than the way that the world sees it. And so you guys, would you guys like to comment on the counterculturalness of the way that the Lord wants us to see our money? Well, one thing I would even want to add about the whole animals and the kind of money personalities is I think even like culturally the way that you grow up, whether it's your parents or just things that have been instilled with you, you feel like certain personalities or the ways that you see money, that's the right way, right? But all of them come with a, a, or some of them I feel like naturally come with more of a negative connotation. But I think like what you were alluding to, Kyle, like it's about having a balance and not one is just going to be it, right? Like whether it's your spouse or you learn other things from other people where you grow to learn how these other personalities or other heirs are, are helpful. And I think culturally, like in society, I mean, a lot of it is the whole get rich or die trying mentality, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so um, whether that's you're, you're getting rich by just saving everything mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden now you feel like you have a lot or you're going to just invest in a bunch of things just because you want to try to make as much money or you're going to spend it here or, or gamble it or risk it or whatever. But um, 
yeah, to, to, to give, I think isn't necessarily, um, popular in culture unless it's like, if there's something in it for me. Right. right? right. But to be able to, like Jonathan said, give to a, a, a missionary. Yeah. You may not be receiving any, um, direct, uh, benefits or like, it's not growing your business portfolio or it's not going to return a investment of money for you, but you're actually investing in, in the inter- eternity mm-hmm. and, and, and God's kingdom. And that's definitely not something that society would encourage you to do. It's more about what can it do for me? So there's the wisdom from Brett's dome again. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't in the, me- in the ser- uh, service y- yesterday, so he didn't hear my message, but that's a lot of the stuff I was talking about. He was, you know, mm. with the junior hires, but yeah, really that's it. That's the countercultural part. It's, you, know, you do stuff so you can get more. Mm. Um, that's what our culture wants us to do. Give if it benefits you. Um, uh, for me, it's even it's counterculture in the way I um, was educated because mm. I went to business school. So a lot of like, kingdom principles they don't they're they're counter like mm. business stuff. It's leverage yourself, get as get, get the maximum, get the most return, and take risk. And th- I mean, not that risk is bad, but like it's all but it's all about increasing net worth and, and doing this and doing that. And I think we're seeing shifts in our culture um, away from some of that. But um, but even some of those, they, they don't have kingdom perspective. It's it's doing it because you should or you, you know, that's just what um, good people do versus we're doing it because that's what God uh, wants us to do. Okay, so I'm trying to think. When you said counterculture, we're all about like uh, – loans and debts and all that mm-hmm. uh, borrowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was talking to Kyler about in the past or even now, if I lend somebody some money or something, I, I don't expect it back. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just having that mindset, um, you know, it's not ours and that's not, you know, counterculture. Like everyone's always asking from, you know, Hey, yeah. you gonna pay me back. Yeah. It, it probably ruined relationships and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's the whole possession part. But if you know, you just give it out freely and yeah, you're, you're doing it to bless people yeah. and because that, and not expecting anything back. Yeah, so. Right. Hey, right. Jonathan, can I bop? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, he doesn't know how much is in his bank account though. So make sure you don't, don't, don't make him overdraw. Right. Chris is going to be what? on you. <laughs> well, one, one thing, uh, my wife said this to me last night or something, she said when you were giving your message, she said she thought of this one um, saying that she's heard, and it's uh, don't increase your standard of living, increase your standard of loving. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's counterculture. Because really in, in our culture, it's really about when you get more, that means you can attain more and you status. can status, your style, your whatever. You can upgrade. You know, our, stat, our society is definitely on upgrades. But... And those to an extent are fine, but when it's all because of that and then you push out love or you do, or you push out kindness or sh- uh, spreading joy or, um, that's where really we get out of balance. Yeah. I think in a similar way, um, I went to business school like Kyle did. I, I, right out of high school, I started working right away. But one of the things that I noticed for myself was that the more that I accumulated, it wasn't fulfilling. It was always like, oh, I want more, I want more, I want more. And then what I felt like the Lord was telling me was like, this is never going to fill what you expect it to fill. That's a, 
that's a ploy of the enemy to make you feel like once you get to this level, then you're going to feel fulfilled or you're going to feel secure or you're going to feel like you have the freedom to do what you want to do. But then there's always going to be something else, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to have the freedom to buy what car I want. Well, then you're going to want to buy a bigger house or then you're going to want to buy this other thing. or, And it's never going to fulfill what you expect it to. And so I think when we have that perspective that money can fulfill us, that we're always going to be left wanting. Mm. And so I think one of the things that the Lord is trying to do and kind of fitting, kind of throwing it back to what the purpose of our, this podcast is, is we want to help people to be able to flourish in every season, right? And and so with our finances, we don't want to have such a tight grip on what we expect or what we want with our finances, because when we do, that's only going to lead to anxiety, stress, broken relationships and those types of things. But when we hold it loosely and we recognize the the correct placement for our finances, then we're going to be more free. Mm-hmm. We're going to be more free to love. We're going to be more free to experience and enjoy what we can do with our finances instead of feeling like we have to hold on so tightly to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of, th- I might be throwing Brett under the bus a little bit <laughs> in this one. That's but, fine. But... <laughs> Kind of as he his, was sharing earlier. His, his, his dome can handle it. I'm telling you, man, it's, <laughs> it's solid. <laughs> well, when he was sharing earlier about um, just the ways that finances can get in between people, it kind of reminded me of a story that he shared before about one of the ways that his grandpa was trying to teach his family about, you know, how to properly view finances and how they can actually get in. And I thought it was a genius thing that he did. So I, I just thought it would be a cool story to kind of, wrap up a little bit of what we're talking about because yeah i thought it was such a cool story so yeah so my my grandpa he um he was he was an immigrant and so he you know came to america to 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 live the out the american dream right and so he worked hard for his money he had to deal with you know just a lot of racism different things being an immigrant and and he started by having his own laundromat right and so he um had all, you know, my, my mom and, and her siblings worked there and, and they saved up. And, um, you know, he eventually got to the place where he was in investing in land and, and, and apartments and different things. And, um, you know, by the time I, I knew him and, and was around, he, he had a, a house in Cerritos, you know, he was able to buy, um, his, like a dream car, like a Mercedes, because it was like, okay, when you, when that's what you see. That's what you want to get. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to do a lot of these things. And so uh, from the outside, it would seem like, okay, this guy's all about money, right? He's, he, he sticks to saving, investing all smart ways. But, um, you know, it came to a point where he sat down the whole family and he asked them, what should I do with um, X amount? What should I do with the investments I have? And, um, you know, different people had their opinions. And I think as the conversation went and um, I'm not saying anything verbatim, this is, re- this has been uh, relayed from my mom. So um, if you have issue with the story, you can contact her, but um, <laughs> long story short, you know, it started to get um, people had very different opinions. And so it became almost argumentative because it was like, what do we do with this? Like, and um people had their, their valid reasons for different things and not wanting to burden my grandpa, but then also like, well, I think this is the smartest or this makes the most sense. And well, this would, 
help more down the future. So everyone had their their frame of mind and perspective. And my grandpa stopped the conversation and told everybody, I already decided what I'm doing with it. But the reason why I brought you guys all together was because I wanted to show you how much money can ruin like a family and relationships. And I don't want that to ever happen. And so I want you guys to understand that family comes first because even though we, we save and have all this money, like it doesn't, it's not greater than the relationships that we have with each other. And so I, I already, he had the whole like <laughs> mafia father. I already figured it out. <laughs> you guys are, you know, I, I have it figured out. And it was something that I know my mom mm. really took to heart because she was like, you know, I look, I looked up to my father as being, he just worked hard. Like he came from nothing. And so to, to have money, you would think that would be like the end all, but for him to still have the perspective that like, yeah, we work hard for this. We have all of this, but it still doesn't compare to the relationship. So it shouldn't compare to how we are with each other and it, and it shouldn't tear us apart was something that um, I know was instilled in her. And, and I definitely think she's tried to pass that down to my brother and I. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm very thankful for him and the example that he sent. He, he, uh, he set in terms of working hard, but also not losing sight of I'm um, kind of like what you said, uh, the bigger picture of things. Yeah, so when I first heard that story, I felt like, wow, this is such an inspiring thing that he was able to think that far ahead and mm -hmm. sh and share that with your family. But I, I, I think as we wrap up this episode, it really portrays what it looks like to have your money consecrated, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. for him, it was like, I'm not going to let, and I don't want this anyone in my family to let money, finances, those types of things, get in between the relationships because it's so easy. It's so easy for that to happen. And we hear about those stories all the time of people, you know, when an inheritance comes in or things like that and families get destroyed because they don't, they can't agree on how they're going to use it. And so really that's what it looks like, I think, for relationships with other people, but also with the Lord, right? We don't want to allow our finances to get in that place where it disrupts our relationship with the Lord or with other people. And I think that's a good way to wrap up our consecration talk. You guys have any final thoughts on finances? No, I think that's going to be a good lead into the next uh, podcast we record. And we don't want that to be, to come between parent and child either. Mm -hmm. And we want, mm -hmm. we want parents to have a healthy re, um, understanding of finances and the kids to have it modeled, you know, like you guys have talked about too. So John, you got any closing words and closing wisdom for us? <laughs> Other than Kyle's going to get in trouble from Jonathan's dad. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so I uh, we'll we, censor we'll, we'll this let that one, one be. <laughs> you block it it's off supposed to be Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> no, just um, trust God, and um, yeah, he he owns everything. So that perspective should free our, free us a little bit, and um, how we deal with our money and finances. I actually want to just thank our church as a whole. Um, I've been on the receiving end of of blessing through finances where um, I think even in our human understanding or trying to have all the numbers make sense, sometimes there's been people saying, God told me to give this to you. And it's like, <sighs> like it's hard to receive, but it's just, I, I again, I 
consecration and being obedient and even in the area of finances with God. And, and I've, and I've been blessed by it from people in our church and just see how our church wants to give. And so I'm, I'm just thankful to, um, our staff and, and just the, the people of our church in, in, in their hearts, uh, for the most part in regards to finances. So, yeah. Yeah. So big shout out to, uh, Catalyst family. Um, I know that as a staff, we really appreciate you and just your heart, especially when, you know, we have been sending out a lot of missions teams and different things. It always seems to come out that people are generously giving to support the the people that are going out on missions above and beyond what they, they've been asking for. So um, Catalyst family, we just really appreciate you and your heart for furthering God's kingdom and supporting our, our, our church family as people step out in missions. And so look out for the next podcast where we're hopefully going to be talking a little bit more about finances and how we help the next generation have a healthy understanding of finances and consecrating their finances to the Lord. But until next time, may you experience God's heart for you to flourish in every season. Thanks for listening to the Engage to Flourish podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so that you don't miss any new content. You can also check out our sister podcast, Catalyst Stories, available on multiple platforms as well. We would also love for you to check out our church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Stanford Middle School in Long Beach.